Alright friends, well, for the last three weeks, we have been looking at the very final chapter of the book of Joshua. And if you've been with us, this is Joshua 24, You're, feel free to flip to that if you'd like in your Bibles, Joshua 24. In this chapter, what we, we've seen first Joshua call all of the tribes of Israel together, charging them to renew their covenant with God. We've seen Joshua recount for the Israelites all of the things that God had done in their lives in the past, right? He forced, challenged them to look backwards, right? To say, wow, look where God showed up before today. And now he you know, gives, gives us the strength and the acknowledgement that if we continue to serve God, he's going to continue to show up. He was there in our past. Will he be here there in the future? We've seen Joshua urge the Israelites to make a choice about who they will fear, right? Will you fear? the Lord your God. We talked about what, it, what does it mean to actually have fear for the Lord. We talked about what does it mean to be faithful and committed to worshiping the God of Israel and, God, and this God alone. And today we're going to hear Joshua declare to all of the Israelites what his choice is in the matter. Here he's challenging all of them to make their choice. Who are you going to worship? Who are you going to fear? Who are you going to serve? And today we're going to hear Joshua declare to the people what his choice is. You know, this is what my choice is going to be. This is who I will serve. Now, whether you want to admit it or not, we all serve somebody. I, I think it was the great prophet, maybe some of you have heard of this prophet before, the great prophet Bob Dylan, who said it best. You're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And as we come to the end of Joshua's speech to the Israelites, we hear him basically telling the Israelites, look, you've got to serve somebody. And here Joshua is about to declare who it is that he and his household will serve. Joshua 24, starting with verse 14. Follow along with me or listen attentively as Joshua says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. And here comes the famous line where Joshua says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is the word of God. You know, in this text, in this passage, Joshua, he lays it out all on the line, his decision for everybody. This is who I will serve. And when he does this, he not only inspires the Israelites then, but he's inspired people throughout generations to realize they also need to make a decision about who they're going to serve. Because the reality is this is something that we all have to take seriously. Right? If Joshua's words are true... Then, he's, then we have to acknowledge that we are serving somebody. And we have to make that decision intentionally, make an intentional decision about it. That this is who we will serve. 
And as followers of Jesus, we ought to take this seriously, knowing that if we aren't intentional about who we're serving, then we'll just drift into serving all kinds of different gods one day, this God the next day, this, this, that, and the other. So as followers of Jesus, we long to be households. We long to be families across our communities, whatever they might look like, however they're made up, where within those homes, within those households, decisions for Jesus have been made. How can we cultivate homes where people will choose to serve Jesus? How can we cultivate homes where people can say this with with integrity? As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I wonder how many people in our communities, they might have that on the little picture or painting up on their wall, but if they were to actually say that sentence out loud, can they say it with integrity? Now notice, and this is kind of what we've been leading to, notice Joshua doesn't say to the Israelites, choose if you will serve. You notice that? He doesn't say choose if you will serve. He says choose whom you will serve. He knows that if the Israelites choose not to serve the Lord, then that means they're choosing to serve something else. If you aren't serving the Lord, then what are you serving, right? I mean, some of us, some of us, we've perhaps given our lives to serve our careers or to serve our jobs more so than we serve the Lord. Some of you perhaps have given your life to serve your reputation, right? You serve more about what it is that people think about you more than it is that you're serving the Lord. Some of you, perhaps, you, you serve political causes, or you serve hobbies, or you even serve sports teams more than you serve the Lord. Now, guess what? Chances are that the people around you, your family, your close friends, chances are that the people around you already know who it is that you really serve. They can see it in your actions, They know who you serve because they see the way that you live your life. Parents, your kids are smarter than you might think. And they know whether or not you're actually going to show up to something. Those of you who are single, your friends, they know whether or not you're actually going to show up to something. Your family, they know whether or not you're actually going to be late or just cancel last minute. They're used to it. They know whether or not you're going to say yes. They know whether or not you're going to say no. They know what you really serve. The people who are around us, many times, they can see in our actions where our true hearts, where our true, true heart is. They know what's really important to us. They know what we care about the most. They know whom you serve. And so, again, if you were going to say these words, as Joshua says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, would others believe you? Would others believe you if you said that line out loud? Joshua knows that it all starts with a choice. He knows that the Israelites can choose to serve other gods. And Joshua, he's not forcing them to do anything here. He's not forcing them to serve the Israelites, and neither is God. Joshua's acknowledging that there's this element of free will that's happening right here. He's not forcing them to serve him. He's giving them the choice. You know, that, you know, that reminds me of one time in my life I remember being in a classroom and the teacher responded to one of the kids in our class asking this question, okay? The, the teacher had told us what all the assigned reading was for the class. And the, the, the teacher, or the, the student raised their hand and they said, do we, do we have to read all of the assigned reading? Don't you love that, by the way? <laughs> do I have to? 
And the teacher, like you could tell that it was almost like, I'm tired of answering this question. The teacher responded back by saying this, do you have to? No, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to read the assigned books. You don't even have to come to class. I can't force you to do anything. I can fail you though. If you don't complete the assignments or if you don't show up to class, but no, you don't have to do the readings. It's up to you. You know, it kind of reminds me a little bit about what Joshua is here doing. You don't have to serve the Lord. I'm not telling you you're forced to serve the Lord. It's up to you. You have to make the choice for yourselves, says Joshua. But of course, we might be sitting there wondering, well, okay, I want to serve the Lord, but what does it mean to serve something anyway? If I'm going to say that I serve the Lord, what does that even mean? Now, the Hebrew word for serve is the word abad. Say that with me, abad. Oh, you can, okay, we'll try it again. Ready? One, two, three. There you go. That's the Hebrew word for serve, abad. Now, the word abad, when it shows up throughout the Old Testament, it has a variety of different meanings, okay? It, 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 the meaning of this word slightly changes based on what it is that is being served, okay? Does that make sense? So, for example, in the Old Testament, if you abad an object, you serve an object, whatever, it means you're working on it, right? You're like, you're, like, you're, you're service, like you're serving or... You're, you're working on a car or something like that. Well, I mean, I guess Joshua didn't work on cars back in the Old Testament. But you get the idea, right? You're working on an object. If you abod another person, it means that you are just serving them in the same way that you might work for a boss or you might work for a master, okay? So you're serving another human being, which means they are somehow higher than you in status and you are serving them or whatever the case might be. But when the word shows up with God, whenever the, the word shows up in the Bible about serving God, abodding God, the word suddenly takes on this meaning that has so much deeper than just this concept of, oh, you know, we serve another person, I serve my boss, I serve this whatever object. But when it comes to serving God, the, what the, the word suddenly takes on this deeper sense of meaning. And here's what it means. It means exclusive and wholehearted loyalty. Exclusive and wholehearted loyalty. It means being so laser-focused on your devotion that your whole life is completely and utterly surrendered in obedience to God. Whatever God's will is, that's what you want. You don't want anything else other than God's will in your life. You want to serve God so laser-focused that you don't care what happens as long as it's God's will. It's about being completely and utterly committed to loving God and keeping God's commands, no matter what they might mean in your life. It's about organizing everything in your life to be dedicated to God. Your entire lifestyle is organized and, and devoted so that it is around serving this God who made you and loves you and wants what's best for you. It's not like treating God as if he's some hobby that you just pick up every now and then. Oh, you know, I got some free time. I'm going to go out in the garage and just kind of serve God for a little bit. No, that's not how it works. You don't serve God either when, you know, when the weather's nice. Oh, you know, yeah, it's a good time for us to serve God today. Let's get, out and get, let's get out there and do it. No, no, like when you serve God, this exclusive and wholehearted loyalty means that you are so utterly committed to serving God in every aspect of your life, no matter what. So how in the world do our families make decisions? How do we dive into some practical ways that we can actually serve the Lord so that other people in our lives will also then make that decision to serve the Lord, right? 
How can we organize our families, our households, whatever they might look like, so that we too can make the decision like Joshua is for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Well, before we dive into that though, I need you to think about your living room. Got it in mind? You thinking about it? Where's the furniture located? Seriously, how have you arranged your living or, or your family room? If you call it your family room, I don't know, whatever you call it. Okay? Where's your couch? Where's the chairs? You got a TV in it? Okay, you've got a picture in your mind. Now stop, picture your living room and, and think about where all of it is. Okay, now here's the point. At some point in your life, you moved into that home, wherever you're living right now, okay? And when you got into the home, you walked into a huge empty room. And you and the people who are going to be living in that home with you, they had to make a choice. How are we going to use this space? Right? And then you made intentional decisions to organize that room in fulfillment of that decision that you made. This is interior, interior design 101, right? So let's say that you walked into that empty room and you thought, you know what? This is going to be the room where we're, we're going to watch TV. Well, then I'm willing to bet that you made decisions so that all of the furniture in your room is pointed towards the television, isn't it? Right? Or maybe some of you, you've got a room and you're like, you know, we want this to be a room where people sit down and they, they have conversations with one another. And so maybe you chose to not put a TV in there and you have this room where all the chairs are pointed to one another. And it's like, wow, they actually want to talk to people in this room. Right? The arrangement of the space begins with what the purpose is that you chose for the room in the beginning. And once you made the choice, you then make intentional decisions about how you would organize the room to serve that purpose. Organizing our households to serve the Lord is sort of like arranging a room. You first make the choice that you want to serve the Lord, and then you make intentional decisions about how you will organize your family, how you will organize your household, how you will organize your time to serve that purpose. Let's dive into this a little bit. A family that serves the Lord. Let's take a look at three questions that each of us has to wrestle with as we explore what this means. The first question, what are your family's habits? What are your habits? Now, habits form us. Your morning routine, or lack thereof, will eventually shape the culture of your home, right? Our daily habits, they have a way of telling us and others around us what we consider valuable and important in life. Some of you have a habit, and everybody in the household knows that it is the most important thing in the, in the world until it happens. You know what that habit is? Coffee. And before you get that cup of coffee, everybody knows this matters. This is the most important thing in the world. And as a result, your morning is now shaped around making sure that that habit is fulfilled. For Joshua to declare that he was going to serve the Lord as opposed to other gods meant that he was making a commitment to take on certain practices or certain habits in his life. Now, Joshua, he would have been there when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And, and those, that list of the Ten Commandments, the idea behind it was that God was giving the people of Israel these ten guiding commands meant to become habitual practices that would form the culture of the people of Israel. 
For example, one of the Ten Commandments talks about honoring the Sabbath, right? Honoring a Sabbath day, putting a whole day aside where we don't work and we choose to honor and serve the Lord instead. To serve the Lord meant Joshua and his family would have been regularly committing to a habit of setting aside 24 hours to God. It's a habit that over time will form us as people. You know, I, when I've ever, whenever I've officiated at somebody's funeral, sometimes, and maybe you've been at a funeral like this too, you'll, there'll be a point in the funeral where sometimes a family will set, set uh, some time for people to share stories, right? You ever, you ever seen this happen? Or maybe you've even been at a funeral that's happened where they, they, family members and friends stand up and they just share their own like, memories and stories of the, about the person who died. Well, many times, the stories that the people will share about are, are, will center around whatever that person's habits or routines were, right? I, I remember hearing a family once share about how their grandfather committed 30 minutes every day to pray. Every day at 10 o'clock, their grandpa would, whoever he was, he would make sure that he had 30 minutes of prayer. And just witnessing their grandfather's habit changed the rest of the family's lives. I've heard a story of a woman who knew that her mom was reading her Bible throughout the day, even though she never actually saw her mom read her Bible. And the way that she knew that her mom was reading the Bible was because she would notice every morning that the Bible would be in a different spot somewhere in the house. Her, the Bible moved, right? And in time, she began to realize, oh my goodness, my mom really cares about reading this Bible on a regular basis. This habit of her mother's influenced her. You know, shortly after our, our oldest daughter, Addie, was born, Rachel and I, we implemented this simple but powerful habit in our own home, and we call, it, we call it thankfulness journal. And it is exactly what it sounds like. Each night before we start bedtime routine with our kids, we open up this little journal and we ask each and every one of the kids, what's one thing that you're thankful for? And I'm telling you, I mean, there's times that it's like, oh, we have to do thankfulness journal, and that's the last thing that I want to do. There's been moments that I'm thinking, like, what I'm thankful for is that you kids are going to bed and I don't have to deal with you anymore. But... But I don't say that. I, inst I come up with something else. But it's this, this habit that over time has become such a routine in our family that now even our kids are like thinking about like what does it mean for me to be thankful for today? It's something that is shaping me and I hope is shaping our kids. So what are the habits in your family? And how are they shaping your family? Or here's another way to ask the question. What are the habits that your family is going to talk about at your funeral? What are the habits that your family is going to talk about at your funeral? What are the habits that you are implementing within your home so that you will have a household that serves the Lord? Maybe you need to make going to church a habit. Maybe you need to make praying together a habit. Maybe you need to make reading the Bible a habit. Because when they become habits, they will form you or they will influence you. If they are not habits... They will just be things that you do whenever there's free time or you remember. And that's not going to make an impact on your house. Your habits make it clear whom you serve. Second question. Who does your family imitate? You know, the, the person who mentored Joshua, do you guys know who it was? It was Moses. Moses would have first mentored Joshua before he took command. And there's a very good chance that Joshua and his household constantly were looking up to Moses 
as they sought to figure out, how do I serve the Lord in this place? They wanted to probably imitate how Moses served the Lord. Now, the people we look up to in our lives are often the people that we tend to imitate. So whether you realize it or not, you're probably imitating the person that you look up to. And in return, that is shaping your household. And we do this. We do this consciously or unconsciously. If you and your house are going to serve the Lord, then you have to be aware of the people in your life that are your mentors. Because if you are being shaped by looking up to somebody, you in turn are shaping the people around you who are having to look up to you. And guess what? If you have kids, they're going to imitate what they see in you, their parents, whether you want them to or not. I know they're not listening to you, but, I be- but you better believe they're watching you. The Apostle Paul, okay, he understood this idea. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he, was not, uh, he wasn't married, he was single. He didn't have any kids, but he still knew that his life affected the people around him. So much so that he poured himself into living a life of obedience so that the people that he was mentoring, the people that that he was trying to minister to, could look up to him and see in him what it meant to follow Jesus. In fact, look look at what he told one of his churches. 1 Corinthians 11, he tells the church, the Christians in Corinth, he says, be imitators of me, why? As I am of Christ. Paul knows that if the people are looking up to him, he then is shaping who they're going to be. Therefore, he needs to imitate Christ so that they can imitate him. If you are going to be a household that serves the Lord, you need to know who you're imitating because it's going to influence your family and the others around you, whether you realize it or not. Are you imitating some business leader? Are you imitating some person you follow on Instagram? Are you imitating some celebrity that you constantly are reading what they have to say? Or are you trying to imitate Jesus? Third question. What does your family talk about? What does your family talk about? Now, this might seem like an odd question at first, but think about it. The things that we talk about inside our homes are the things that we are the most passionate about. A household that cares a lot about politics, guess what they talk about? Politics. A family that's obsessed with sports, guess what they talk about? Sports. And a household that's truly committed to serving the Lord Guess what they talk about? How are we serving the Lord? I don't, have this on the, I don't have this on the PowerPoint for you, but in Deuteronomy 4, this is one of the most important passages, or excuse me, Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, one of the most important passages in all the Old Testament. We're given the command that, is all, that eventually became known as the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God. We just sang a song about it not too long ago, love the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 and 6 it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, right? These commandments I give you today to be on your hearts. And then, and then it says this. It says, impress these commandments on your children. And guess what it says next? Talk about them. Talk about them with your family when you sit at home or when you walk along the road or when you lie down or when you get up. In the very DNA of the Bible, the most, arguably one of the most significant parts of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, where the greatest commandment shows up, God says, talk about this command. If, if the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, talk about it. 
Talk about it with the people in your life. How are you doing it? Do you really love God? How, are, how, are, how am I seeking to love God with all that I am? What are the things that get talked about in your home? If you want to create a home that encourages people to make decisions to serve Jesus, then make talking about Jesus something that is natural and normal, not something that feels forced or awkward. Share with your family the things that you're praying about, right? What are you praying about? Tell your family what you're praying about. Talk to your kids about your experience at church. What happened in church? Talk to them about it. Be open about how it is that you're trying to serve Jesus because he rescued you, right? Talk to your family about the things you're struggling with and how God rescued you from those things, how God saved you by his grace. Those of you who are parents, do your kids know your testimony? Do they know how you became a Christian? Talk about the gospel in your home. Language will shape the culture in your home. The more you talk about how you serve the Lord, the more you are going to be immersed in a culture that is shaped by serving the Lord. You know, when, when Rachel and I were in college, one of our professors, she would regularly invite her students over to her home for various meetings and classes and whatnot. And, and she was so intentional about whenever that we would be a, within her home, she was so intentional about shaping the, the content of the conversation. She wouldn't just invite us over and be like, oh, you know, do whatever you want. She would invite us over. We'd get some, something to drink, some coffee or whatever. And then she would sit down and she would just have this perfectly well-crafted question because she knew that the question would dictate what we would talk about that evening and what we would talk about that evening would then shape us as people in the long run. So much so that here I am talking about it, right? You know, 12 years later. Whenever we gather at our home, she would ask questions like this. She would say, so what's God teaching you right now when you're in this, in this class? right? It seems like a simple question, but then it's forcing us to say, what is God doing in my life? She might ask us this question. I hated this question, but she'd ask it anyway. She'd say, so what people right now are you overlooking in your life? Oh, right? And we'd have to talk about that. I mean, can you imagine talking about that in your home on a regular basis? Who are the people in our lives right now that we might be overlooking? Wow. Now, this professor, she, she was single. single. She was a, a, a widow, but every time we gathered in her home, we knew without a doubt that she was a servant of the Most High, Jesus, Jesus Christ, all because of what she wanted to talk about. So is your home, and these might be some hard questions, is your home filled with angry tirades about how much you hate your job? Or about how you can serve God even in a job you just don't like? Are you talking about how much you can't stand your neighbors? Or about... What ways God might be calling you to try and love them right where they're at? How are your words revealing that you and your household serve the Lord? What are your habits? Who do you imitate? What do you talk about? Joshua declared whom he will serve in by making that choice, he and his house were committed to doing the very thing, making it very specific that he served the Lord God of Israel. And you and I, we too, we're called to make a choice. We're called to make a choice, just like Joshua. But notice, the choice has to start with us. Notice, Joshua does not say, my house will serve the Lord. What does he say? As for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. Who does Joshua start with in the decision? Himself. He first looks in the mirror and he says, as for me, I'm taking ownership of my faith. I'm taking ownership of my relationship with God. I'm taking ownership of who I serve. It starts with you. For those of you who might be thinking how you can better organize your household to serve the Lord, this might be one of the hardest things we have to acknowledge, that it first starts with you. You have to make the commitment that you yourself will serve the Lord no matter what, that you will have this wholehearted and exclusive loyalty to the Lord no matter what. It starts with you. Second, don't ever forget that the decision to serve the Lord It's actually the easy part. Making the decision, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, that's the easy part, because guess what happens after you make the decision to serve the Lord? You have to serve the Lord. (laughs) And that's where things can get tough. This is where so many of us get tempted to want to go and serve other gods because they're so much, they're so seductive, they're so more, they're easier to serve, they make us feel better, whatever it might be. We're surrounded by so many other gods that we'd rather serve the God of comfort, the God of wealth, the God of ethnocentrism, the God of convenience. Many of us will be tempted to put ourselves on the throne so that we can be in charge and make all of the decisions and then get all of the credit. But serving the Lord means making a lifelong, wholehearted commitment to obey God, no matter what. And lastly, and this one might be be tough, but I think it it needs to be said. Lastly, many of us, especially parents, we will sometimes be wondering to ourselves or asking this question, what can I do to guarantee that my kid follows through and serves the Lord too? Or what can I do to guarantee that my, my friend or my family member or my whatever that will become a person who also serves the Lord based on my household. Many times we are looking for some magic formula to make sure that if we just do this, we'll get somebody else to serve the Lord in our household as well, right? Even our, but, but the truth is, and this is just a hard thing to accept, the truth is you can't force someone else to make the decision. Even Joshua, he doesn't do it to the Israelites. He doesn't force them to make the decision. Remember, you don't have to. You can't force another person to make a decision to follow Jesus and serve the Lord. And this is a hard thing to accept, but here's what you can do. You can create an environment for others to give their lives over to Jesus and pray like crazy. You can create the environment. A church, a household, a family who serves the Lord is not a factory that will just manufacture Jesus followers once you get everything in line. A church, a household, a family that serves the Lord is more like a garden where what you have to do is pour yourself into creating the proper environments. You nourish the soil. You plant the seeds. You water the plants. But only God can give the growth. If you're single or if you live alone, make a commitment to serve the Lord and set up your home to be one that directs other people to Jesus, no matter how you might come in contact with them. Your habits, the people you look up to, the conversation topics that you have when you're interacting with others, whether you realize it or not, you are making an influence on other people and on yourself. If you're married, if you've got kids, if you live with others in in, in any way, realize that your commitment to serve the Lord will indeed influence the rest of your family. Work together 
to pay attention to your habits. Be aware of the people that you're looking up to. Talk about God together. Whatever you do, might it lead you to be able to say with integrity, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, in the many places in our lives where we may be feeling like we're struggling to serve you, feeling as if that we don't know what, we're, what, what to do or how to do it, God, I pray that right now you would meet us right where we are and impress upon our hearts and our minds what next right step we can take as we seek to serve you. If we need to change our habits, Lord, help us change them. If we need to change the people we look up to, Lord, help us change them. If we need to change the things that we're talking about in our homes, Lord, may we change them. And may we do all of these things, O Lord, as we seek to fully devote ourselves to serving you with wholehearted and exclusive loyalty. Because when we serve you, we will discover all that you have in store for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.